calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. <laughs> back for another episode of Tuesday Timeline. I'm Elio, he's Ben, and we are, I have to make a correction, because last week I said it was uh, Ridgefield. Actually, this is Survivor Series took place in Rosemont, Illinois, at the Rosemont Horizon. Yes. So I was getting this one uh, mixed up with 88 and 87, which both took place in Ridgefield, Ohio. Well, that's understandable. So, how is two-year-old Ben's Thanksgiving going? Well, I, actually, I'm not. I'm not two yet. I'm still several months away. I'm. I'm like. Wait a se- minute. Oh no, no, you're still one. What am I saying? Yes. You're still one. What am I saying? How is the one-year-old Ben's uh, Thanksgiving? You're. F- I guess you could say your second. Thanksgiving because yes. you were born in June. So how yes. how was your how was your Thanksgiving? Quite ben? tasty. I was quite popular with the ladies at my table. I'm I was quite the cutie. Wow. Oh god. So I'm assuming I, I had I had quite the quite the interesting evening. And Very uh good. I'm not sure if I had teeth yet. That's one thing I don't know. But turkey oh, okay. Turkey seems to be safe whether you have teeth or not, especially with the gravy. I was gonna say, you, you, I'm sure you had turkey. I don't care if you're one years old. You had to have, you had to have had turkey. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm assuming I did. All right. So, um, before we uh, get into your things, Ben, we have a bit of homework. I have a bit of homework from over the weekend on February 11th. New Japan held their new beginning pay per view in Osaka, Japan. At the okay. Otaku, at the o, Osaka per, Perfectual Gymnasium. Very cool. So this one had a total of eight matches. So in the first, uh, in the first match, we had a tag team match with Chaos, Toriano, and Yo defeating Raisuke Taguchi and Oleg Bolton. Then we had Bishmon, Hiroki Goto, and Yoshihashi defeating Great Okan and Caleb Newman. The House of Torture defeated Shona Yumino, Elta Sprato, Tiger Mask 4, and Tomoaki Hanma. Of course, House of Torture's Evil, Renderida, Yuji, and Yujiro Takahashi, and Sho. Right. Then we had just five guys defeating LIJ. Good God. In the fifth match, Kazushika Okada defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi. Finally, a singles match. I'm surprised. And- then for the IWGP Tag Team Championships, Bullet Club, Kenta and Chase Owens defeated Gorillas of Destiny, Hikaleo, and El Fantasmo. And that sounds weird in and of itself. Yes, it does. So we have new IWGP Tag Team Champions in Bullet Club. Yes, indeed. In the, in the sixth match of the evening, no, sorry, the seventh match, 
Zack Sabre Jr. defeated Dang Brian Danielson. Oh, I and, didn't realize. I didn't realize Brian Danielson was going to be on the card. Yeah, uh, this was. Uh, I actually uh, saw it um, the other day. I noticed uh, on uh, one of the sites. Uh, I was reading where uh, Zack Sabre will be meeting Brian Danielson in the series of matches. I just didn't know it was going to be this soon. Oh, cool. No, I would have thought they would have saved it for the um, April show. You know, the wind, the Windy City show. Well, I'm sure. Uh, I I don't think this is the last. I mean, this is only their first match. I think they want to have a series of matches. Is what well, I was reading. Sense. In the main event, in the main event, we had a dog pound steel cage match with the Bullet Club defeating the United Empire in a in a ten man tag team match inside the steel cage. I mean oh, that, that that that, that would have be been fun. crazy. That yes. would have been insane. Now, um, you know what? I'm going to see if I can find this, and if I can, I'll, uh, I'll uh, let you know. I'll send you a message if I find it. So as, while you were um, while you were finishing that up, I was looking up what they have so far lined up for the Windy City Riot Show um, on uh, April 12th of this year, obviously, because that's the next a uh, big show that we're covering uh, for NJPW. And thus far, they have three matches on the card. See, see the, the show is two months away, and they already have three matches on, on the card. This is how you book shit. You uh, WWE and AEW take notes. Right. So, so far, you have... Um, it's going to be an eight-man riot match... So far, the only participants are announced are Eddie Kingston and Gabe Kidd, um, okay. which, you know, you'll remember with the last show we covered, they faced each other for the um, Continental title. Yes. Um, and then uh, they also have Her- Hiromu Takahashi versus Mustafa Ali. Um, and... Naito versus John Moxley. So already they have some really cool stuff set up. Um, so I'm uh, I'm already very excited for you know, the Windy now ben, City Riot show. Now Ben, speaking of uh, Musfali, he's already a champion now because uh, he had a match. I believe it was over the weekend at this uh, event called Dreamwave Wrestling, and uh, he captured their championship over there. Oh, well, good for him. I always thought he was criminally underused in WWE. Right. He could have been a massive star. I mean, honestly, I mean, that's, I'm not just saying that, but they, they really yeah. botched him with the retribution bullshit and everything else. You know, he was so, I mean, we're seeing it with, uh, with some of the promos that we've already seen going into New Japan and you know and the whole TNA thing that he's going to be doing, uh, yep. you know he he was so creative, uh, and and they just they just didn't let him do a shit. Thank you, Vince. By the by the way, I've never 
I've never been more serious when I say this. Fuck you, Vince. <laughs> um, and not to make a joke out of the whole Vince thing, because yeah, I, I'll tell you what, that's gonna that's gonna be a massive story for long um for a long time to come. And uh, most I'll of tell you, I'll tell, I'll tell I'll tell you stories off air about uh, when I saw this past week. Oh uh, well, I'm I'm sure that'll be riveting. Uh, and uh, if it if it gives me more ammunition to hate Vince, then I'm all for that. Um, right. But um, Mustafa Ali wasn't the only casualty of of Vince McMahon, and that was only in the creative sense. Somebody got what I'm reading is absolutely disgusting. Um, but uh, but back to wrestling because I don't want to talk about Vince right now. Um, I am very excited to see what um what Mustafa Ali can do with these upcoming shows that he's on. Yeah, I can't wait to see what, how he does. Now, tonight we have Survivor Series 89. However, before that, you know where we have to go, Ben. Absolutely. It's time to go to the movies. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, and uh, Ben, this week I'm going to see a movie I've been waiting four years to see. This is a sequel, Back to the Future Part Two. I've been waiting for this ever yes. since ever since the end of the first one, where it said to be continued. I'm like, well, they better make a part two. Well, yeah, they kind of set themselves up for failure if they didn't, right? <laughs> right? So here we go. Do you remember the future? Spielberg presents 
a Robert Zemeckis film. Back to the Future, Part 2. Coming November 22nd to theaters everywhere. Such a great movie. Indeed. I mean, I mean this, was, this was my favorite. When I first saw this, I'm like, wow, this is so great. It was so much more fun than part one. And part three was okay, but... Part, part one two, and two. Part, part one, one and two were the best. Yeah. Yeah. However, <clears throat> now we're going to get into a really fun event. I thought I thought it was fun. We're going to look at, we're going back to November 23rd, 1989, Rosemont Horizon, Rosemont, Illinois, for Survivor Series 1989. Indeed. I'm looking forward to it. time is 8 p.m. We're here in uh, Rosemont, Illinois. It's a Survivor Series. You know what? This was a fun show. Yes, it was. Um, you know, and and I was I was texting you back and forth a little bit. Um, the first two matches, um, honestly, I thought were the best. Um, from a. Uh, now, hold on, Ben, before you go on, what I want you to do is when we're going through the matches, again, like we did with the other two, give me the wrestlers. I'll tell you I'll tell you or recap uh, what the program and uh, how they started. If Right. Yeah, I got you. Okay. Um, but uh, b- before we get into any of, the, uh, any of the matches, even though my opening commentary is that um, – you know the first the first two uh, stood out to me the most in terms of uh in, in terms of both participants and uh and just what would come later on with uh WrestleMania um 6 um the the opening montage in terms of what we're thankful for for Thanksgiving because this took place Thanksgiving night you messaged um, you messaged me now. I was trying to figure out what you were talking about, and then uh, late, late around uh, ten o'clock last night, I sat down to watch it. I'm like, okay, now I know what you're talking about. Yeah, they. I think this was a thing that they used to do for the early Survivor Series. Yeah, and you know, it, oh shit. Um, you can still talk. I can hear you. Oh, you can still oh, talk yeah. if your phones uh, fall off. You can still talk, so I can hear you. Oh, okay, well that's good to know. Um, so so obviously we have um, like Hulk Hogan talking about how he's thankful for Survivor Series, but some of some of the other participants who who said something were quite hilarious. It um, was fun. They were funny. I like that. Of course, of course, Ultimate um, Warrior. You know, was thankful for the power of the universe, but the, oh, no. the, the funniest, the, the funniest one to me was actually 
the model Rick Martel. Now, don't don't kill me for this, but like when he first popped up on the screen, I thought it was Carrie Von Eric. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because. I think you went wrong because Kirby Von Eric, he uh, showed up the year after. He'll show up in 1990. But, uh, I mean, literally, it looked yeah. like, at first glance, it looked like the spitting image of Kerry Von Eric. Right? It's like, what, what, what was with that hair? <laughs> exactly. And um, you know what was annoying about the model? She used to wear that stupid sweater with that style. It's like, okay, relax. Oh my god. You know <laughs> later on, you know, we had the we had the style of like tying the sweater or the flannel around your waist. Oh that was yeah, like I used to do in the nineties. That's how I used to go to school. Oh god, don't well don't admit that. We're on a we're on a very what? podcast here. Don't admit that. I, I used to hate that. I'm like Either put your shirt on or take it off. What the hell are you doing? Um, I, I always thought it was it just looks stupid. But uh, this with with um, Rick Martel and the and the, and the and the tying the sweater around your neck and making the the knots out of the sleeves. You look like <laughs> you, you you look like such a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> You look like you're going to you look like you're going to a golf tournament. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, but um, so those were a couple of of the ones that stood out for me in the opening montage. I'm like, okay, this is definitely the '80s. Um, so the the first match was um, the Enforcers versus the Dream Team. And and you, so original, right? Yeah, you'll notice you'll notice that this is the first Survivor Series where the four man teams had uh, had uh, official team names. team names involved. Yes, oh, they're, um, they're going to get better through the years. <laughs> th- thank God. And you know, I, I'm I'm so used to the five man structure of Survivor Series that it's yeah. still. It's still taking me a little bit to to remember that we're still in a four man, uh, four man format here. Sorry, Ben. There was one match, uh, one dark match before the show. It bore Suzukov defeating Paul Roma. I'm sorry. Who who was the first guy? It was Boris Zukov defeating Paul Roma. Uh. Okay. Cool. Um. Do you, yeah. Now do you know who Boris Zukov is? Yes, I, I, I do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I mean, you remember, you remember him, right? Yeah, I, and I remember him from uh, from other shows that we've covered and, and yeah. from the beginning of the show, yeah. All right. Um, but, um, but, so, <laughs> first off, the team names are just hilarious. So let me before we get into the matches, let me run run down the members of of the of the teams in this first match. All we right. have the the enforcers, which is Big Boss Man, Bad News Brown, Rick Martel, 
and the Honky Tonk Man. And of course, okay. they are accompanied by Jimmy Hart and Slick. And was Jimmy Hart louder than usual on this show? <laughs> yes. Well, well, and he was and he was like omnipresent. He was he was more present in this show than Bobby the Brain Heenan. Yep. Um okay. which we'll get into later because there was one match I was very surprised that he wasn't involved in. Um but anyway, so so the opposing team was the dream team, which consisted of Dusty Rhodes, Brutus Beefcake, the Red Rooster, and Tito Santana. Okay, very good. All right, so I'm going to go through the programs here. Okay. So, so, so you'll know what's going on at this t- at this point in time. Okay, very good. So you remember SummerSlam 89, uh, uh, Dusty Rhodes was wearing that uh, police hat. Yes. Don't remind me. Well, well, no, yeah, yeah, we have to, you have to understand because uh, he's in a feud with uh, the boss man at this time. Right. So that's where he is. Now, Brutus Beefcake, um, he's, uh, this is, this goes back to WrestleMania 4, his uh, feud with the Honky Tonk Man. Right. I knew that that's why he was in there. Right, Rick Bar, tell them Tito Santana, you know, from WrestleMania 5, they're continuing their feud. Yes, the break of uh, Strike Force, yes. And the Red Rooster was just there to fill out the card. Bad News Brown just hates everyone. So that's, those those are the stories in, that's the stories in this, uh, on these teams. Bad News Brown is making a habit of walking out on his, his team uh, in w- whenever he's in a team scenario, and, I mean, let, me um, tell, let me let me tell you, Bad News Brown was an underrated wrestler because if people uh, look at him and think he's just a mid card, like he's not really a big name, you have to go back and watch his stuff in Calgary Stampede because he was feuding with the Hart family over there. Oh, well, I, I, didn't, that, I didn't even know that. that. Those matches, like he was well known in the Calgary Stampede, like for his feud with the Hart family. His matches with Bret Hart and uh, Owen. Oh well, damn! I have I have to see if I can find some of those. I'd I'd be very interested. Yeah, and um, and so again, he uh, he was making a habit of of kind of eliminating himself from his uh, matches involving teams. I think this was the second time that I'd seen him do that. Yeah, he did that um, at the Survivor Series 88. <laughs> yes, and this time... And this time it was the boss man who hit him? Yes, but it was, <laughs> I mean, it, it was so clear that the boss man hit him accidentally. Right. And, um, and, that dude's uh, don't he, care. Exactly. He don't give a fuck. He don't give a fuck. And uh, Slick was so pissed off because even even after it was announced that that uh, Bad News Brown had gotten counted out, um, you know, Slick was like, "What the hell?" Um, <laughs> so Slick was not very happy. Um, and then obviously you have the um, you have the feud between Martel and Santana. 
I mm-hmm. say that um, I say that because right off the bat, um, upon the bell ringing, Martel goes directly after Santana, um, mm-hmm. and then um, so that was that was like the first uh, that was like the first interplay in the match. Um, I really like the the crowd reaction one of the things that i'm really noticing about these 80s shows as a rule is even if the match itself leaves something to be desired the crowd is so invested and the commentary is so good that i'm good on this one exactly and and will you stop yeah well (laughs) Yeah, yes, grill a monsoon. If I, was, if I was acting like a like a baboon's asshole, like just even Toro on commentary, um, but um, but in this situation, they they play um so well off of each other, yep. um, and um, I think we can get through this match before the ten minute um warning runs down, um, so. So like like I said, it starts off with Martel going after Santana. Then we have Dusty Rhodes tagging in against the boss man. So they're really going, you know, feud by feud with these with these tags, which is something that I really like because it it makes it easier for me to uh, keep track of that. Um, it's called storytelling. Some people might want to try it sometime. Y- yes, they they and. <laughs> And Vince could have really remembered this for the 15 years that he put us through absolute dog shit. Um, so one of the one of the things that I uh, that I also noticed was um, was this was the first um, sighting of Sapphire in the crowd. Yes, um, and do you, do you remember Sapphire? Yes, okay. because I I remember specifically that she was that she was involved at WrestleMania six. Uh, okay. So so yeah, and then and then they were, but it was interesting because the commentary didn't know who she was yet. <laughs> at, at at this at this show, um, they just referred to her as a as a Dusty Rhodes fan who was completely decked out in the polka dots. Um, which, which, by the way, you know, Dusty can pull off anything and God bless him, but polka dots, really, not, not the best idea. <laughs> um, so then, um, this is where, so then if I back up a little bit, Tito Santana was eliminated by Rick Martel for the first elimination after a um, after a seated roll-up was reversed by Martel and he grabbed, uh, grabbed a handful of tights and eliminated Santana that way. Um, so that was the first elimination. And then I have to tell you, the one criticism that I have throughout the entire evening, not just this match, but this was the first occurrence. This is why I bring it up here. 
there were way too many um, eliminations by countout. Mm, yeah, I don't like the countout eliminations. Uh, especially in a Survivor Series situation. I mentioned earlier that Bad News Brown was eliminated by countout uh, when he uh, walked out on, on the big boss man. Uh, and, the, and that's when this happened right here. Um, I was kind of pissed off when Rick Martel was eliminated by Brutus Beefcake um, because I, t to be honest with you, I've just never been a fan of Brutus Beefcake. Oh my, you know what? I used to like him when I was like, I was 15 at this time. I used to like him, but you know what? I'm looking back at him now. I'm like, I can't stand this uh, character who carries hedge clippers to the ring. And they used to run these awful vignettes. I, w I was trying to find it so I could show you the vignettes tonight on tonight's show, but um, I couldn't. But when he became Bruce the Barber Beefcake, he, uh, they were showing vignettes of him going to barber school to learn how to cut hair. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> but like, oh. So, yeah, it was just not a good thing. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, another thing. Um, we said at WrestleMania 5, his match against Steve Teddy Biasi was random. However, in 1993, um, the Mega Maniacs, Hogan and Beefcake, uh faced uh money incorporated 10 dibiase and uh irs because dibiase uh, hit beefcake in the face uh with the uh, irs's briefcase on an episode of raw oh okay well the, the professor elio canella comes and play again i didn't even know that very good history lesson number one for the for the for the evening Take notes, folks, because God knows I do um, when, I'm, when I'm watching these things. So um, one other thing that I was really surprised by was how long uh, Red Rooster uh, lasted in this match. Right. He, was, he made it to the final four in the match. I'm like, what? With, with that gimmick? Holy crap. <laughs> All right. Um... And then, so so this early part of the match that I'm talking about was really quite boring, uh, if I'm being honest with you. I just have to go through the through the eliminations to get you to the interesting part because it really got interesting when it was Big Boss Man, Dusty Rhodes, and Brutus Beefcake left. Um, be, actually, um. There was there was one other guy left at one at one point because, um, you know it was a three on one situation against Big Boss Man to end the match, mm -hmm. and then I think I think Boss Man eliminated, uh, he eliminated somebody. Yeah, uh, Red Rooster, I think. Uh, no, sorry, um. Boss, I have it right here. It was a uh, Red Rooster eliminated Bossman. Bossman eliminated Dusty Rhodes. No, Red Rooster was eliminated by the big Bossman. No, sorry, 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 sorry. I'm, I'm looking at it wrong. Yes, uh, Bossman eliminated Red Rooster. Okay. Yes. 
So that that's when that's when it got down to um, yeah, it Dusty was a final. It, it was a final three: Dusty, Brutus, and Bossman. But um, so so eventually, um, Dusty Dusty and Brutus got the um, got the uh, the victory after. Um, so Rhodes of all things hit a running cross body block. <laughs> right. I I actually laughed, um, but then it, but then it was kind of no sold because Big Boss Man popped right up and hit um and hit Brutus Beefcake in the in the back with the nightstick as he, as him and uh, Dusty were celebrating, and and I don't know what happened here, but it looked like. Uh, it looked like Brutus didn't know what was going on at first because he didn't sell the first nightstick shot. He sold the second one, but he didn't sell the first one. So, so, um, so pretty much it ended with um, with Dusty Rhodes' team getting the victory, but really, Bossman came out looking like, looking like the victor. And then, of course, we had the backstage uh, interview, and Sean Moody is absolutely outraged that Big Boss Man would behave in that fashion. And um, and so... Well, the, and, you didn't explain that. Oh, you go on, go on. Go ahead. And, and the ending of that match really um, justified, um, you know, the, the beginning being a slow because... The story of that match was really boss man where I, where I expected the story to be Dusty Rhodes, but it actually ended up being boss man, which I appreciated. But remember, um, remember, Bob Bossman attacked the Rhodes at the end. He handcuffed him to the ropes. Yeah, yes, and I, I, I was getting I was getting to that. Oh. Um, and of course, um, of course, the the story of it ended up being. The attack by Bossman on Dusty Rhodes, which pissed off Sean Mooney very much, uh, which which we'll get into more after the break. Let me Stay see. Right there. Let me see. Bruce Beefcake's acting was terrible when he came to Dusty's rescue. I know it was. It was atrocious. Right. We'll be right back. All right, we are back, and we left off at the end of the first match. And Ben, what what, what did we have left on this match? So the the interview backstage was hilarious because, you know, Bossman was wait, so wait, wait, good. Wait, 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 was that with the Bossman yelling and ranting and raving? <laughs> yeah, yes, it, 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 was, it was so good. Yeah. Um, because. And even even Slick added to it, like you know, Dusty got the biggest beating of his big fat life. You know, it was just it was it was ridiculous. Imagine saying that today, boss man. Well, I well, yeah, that wouldn't fly. No, no, no. I'm saying, imagine saying that today. Yeah, th- yeah, that wouldn't. Uh, yeah, you would have. Uh, you would have several organizations coming after you with pitchforks. <laughs> but uh, it, it was just. It was absolutely hilarious, and I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, Bossman's work on all fronts. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And this this was kind of a, a spotlight match for him, so I I enjoyed that very much. Um, and then second match, why did my review disappear? Give, give me one second. Um, okay. All right. You want me to ram off the, yeah, the teams? Yeah. Yes. Could you? All right. So the teams in the second match, it was the Kings Court taking on the four by fours. Kings Court made up of Randy Savage, the Canadian Earthquake. See, when I saw that, I thought that was a. I thought that was a misprint, but that was... Uh, I, was I did, too. It was very interesting that you say that. I did, too. He was referred to the, as the Canadian Earthquake. So, okay, and uh, Dino Bravo and Greg Valentine, along with Jim Hart and Queen Sherry. And the 4x4s were comprised of Jim Duggan, Bret Hart, Ronnie Garvin, and Hercules. So, okay. First question yes, um, of, of the evening. Um... Why? Why was Bret Hart on this team? I don't know. He 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 was ridiculous in that backstage uh, segment prior to the match. Was he not? I mean, he he he, he, stu- was, he stood out uh, like. Uh, he, but he stood out in a bad way. It yeah, was just, it's like he didn't belong. So it's like, yeah, he, he didn't fit at all. Even the. And and I did not read this re- review prior to um prior to pulling it up for for uh for this match um for this match lineup uh, just okay. a little while while ago and it's so funny because the last thing the last thing that it said was seeing Brett do that kind of promo was so awkward <laughs> right and, and and that's what we just said um. Okay, so um, before we go on, uh, the programs in this one. Yeah. So we have the team leaders, Randy Seven. Savage and Jim Duggan. So the it all started with King Haku. He was the uh, king of the ring, okay? Uh, come okay. Uh, coming out of his uh, victory, defending the crown against Harley Race at Royal Rumble. Right. However, um, he then entered a feud with um Jim Duggan, who challenged him for the King of the Ring title, and uh, Jim Duggan won, and he became King Duggan. Okay. So King Duggan then entered a feud with Randy Savage, and I have video here of Randy Savage, uh, and how he became the Macho King. So are you ready for this? Yeah. And here we go. Randy Savage, and yes, the crown was on the line. Let's go to the footage of that match and join it in progress. What a match up this is Ben Hudson, Jim Duggan now. Justifiably going over to show you who's going to take it himself and jump. Justifiably, what are you talking about, man?
that's how Randy Savage became the king, and the feud went uh, started from there. Cool. Very so, good. The next one we have is Earthquake. And at this time, he had just, uh, he basically just made his debut not long ago. So he wasn't really in the program with anyone. It was Dino Bravo was, uh, it was Dino Bravo had Jim Duggan, but he also, there was also Hercules in the mix as well. Right. Then Greg Valentine and Ronnie Garvin, their feud going back to Survivor Series. Uh, no, going back to SummerSlam. Right, and I remember you telling me that their feud would wrap up at at, at the Royal Rumble, which we're going to talk about next next week. Yes, and um, Bret Hart really uh, had no one uh, at this time that he was uh, working on a program with. So, again... Why was he in this match? Oh, if I, like, yeah, I mean they they, I, they 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 separated Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart. I don't understand that. I would have put them uh, together on the same team because you had the Rockers on the same team. Exactly. Thank you. You know, logic right here on the PNC <laughs> Progression Wrestling Podcast. I know right? now. I, now I know it's Tuesday timeline. I understand, but. Or timeline Tuesday. I always get it backwards. I'm sorry. Um, but no, you're um, right. Tuesday timeline. Oh, oh, okay. Yay! I didn't fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's gonna be a good night. Um, but it's just it strikes me as very strange. Um, and um, but. One of the one of the early moves that really caught me off guard was Hercules doing a press slam on Savage. Um, that was like that was like whoa because Hercules was nowhere near the level of of a Randy Savage. Right. Um, so it was just kind of surprising. And um, what's funny is um that. Hercules was a guest on the Brother Love Show, and they were interview- interrupted by Randy Savage and Elizabeth. Uh, and that was uh, in that was uh, December of '88. Yeah, December oh. of '88. Okay, so maybe where, this is the where continuation he's like, I of that. Where uh, Randy Savage was like, "I want to shake the hand of the real Hercules." So, yeah, that was uh, December of '88, and here we are in '89. The end of '89. Long term, long term storytelling that went bye bye in later years for WWE. Um, and then um, the thank God I noticed that that earthquake protected um, that earthquake protected Hercules in this situation because at first when he sat on him, I was like, holy shit! It, it was it was hilarious because you could see. As they were setting up a move, you know, Hercules wasn't doing a good job selling it, and I don't even blame him in this scenario. Elio, if you go back and watch this, watch this part, it was hilarious. Hercules wasn't even interested in selling. He was, he was watching um, Earthly come off the ropes. Like, oh shit! Please don't fuck up! Please don't fuck up! <laughs> and then. 
And then just the way he sat on him, like you can tell that he was protecting him, like or Earthquake was protecting Hercules. But ben, go, go, go on, I'm just looking at, I'm just looking something up, go on. Because if that move goes haywire, it, then someone's about to die. <laughs> um, you know, I, I just thought that was, that was kind of funny. Um, and, and then, so Her- Hercules gets the first elimination, and then we shift focus to, um, to Greg Valentine and, um, Ronnie Garvin for a minute. Um, they're exchanging hard chops. Uh, Duggan tagged in and hit a running clothesline while, uh, while he was distracted to eliminate him. So, um, again, okay, sorry, 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 Ben. Um, going back to Earthquake for a minute, you've never seen his debut, have you? No, all right, here we go. I guess we're gonna have to prove to you that he is the world's strongest man, and I guess everybody out here, too. Dino Bravo just told me that I can pick the largest man, the biggest man in the audience right now, and bring him into the ring, and he can get on Dino Bravo's back, and he'll do the push-ups with him, Mean Gene. All right, take your picture. Hey, Dino. listen, Let's Jesse. See what you got over here. They grow them pretty big in West Virginia, I can tell you that. Excuse me, Jimmy Hart. Well, Hart will find one. If Please. there's anybody big to be found, Jimmy Hart will find them. Okay, well, there's some big man in this audience this week. There's a, we know oh, there's a great big one over there. Wait a minute, we know for sure there's some big fat women out there. You see somebody? Jimmy Hart taking a good no look, way, no way, surveying this capacity crowd. I, I don't know, what are you doing to me, Jimmy Hart? What are you trying <laughs> to do with this competition? That's a good question. Look, Where? Everybody's pointing to that guy out there. All right, come on, big man. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Jay, you. Come on. My hometown favorite, look at Yes, I can. Oh, hey, Jesse, take a look at the size yeah, of this that's man. That's impressive, Dino Bravo. That does look pretty Come big, but down. i got to see him when he gets this in the ring. Man, then we'll get a little more perspective. Do I dare ask how much you, you weigh? 460 pounds. Wait a minute. Oh, oh, oh. 460 <laughs> pounds. Yes, All right, Jimmy Hart, Dino Bravo, he's all we're going to see if he can do a push-up. One, two, three, four. I can't believe it. Well, I'm impressed. All right, he is up there. Okay, Ultimate Warrior. What? What's this? He just gave it. Wait a minute. Whoa. Oh, Falling through an elbow. See, I told you, McMahon, that he couldn't push up that big John character. And there we go. That's the debut of the Canadian Earthquake. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> Jesse's going to get us in trouble with his commentary. What the hell? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't, that definitely wouldn't fly today. Well, Jesse Ventura wouldn't fly today in the WWE for many reasons, but. Um, 
So sorry, I just have to show you that because I because well we were talking about earthquakes, so go on. Absolutely. So um <clears throat> let's see. And then after uh Valentine eliminate after Valentine got eliminated by Garvin, which which helped to set up the grudge match further on uh the Royal Rumble the following month, which again, as I said, we'll get into. Uh, Greg Valentine was eliminated by uh, Jim Duggan because, um, let's let's see. I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because Bret Hart hit an elbow off the middle rope, and then it was a sidewalk slam. Um, by Bravo, uh, on which was what the fuck? No, uh, oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, re I read the. I re I'm sorry. I read the wrong the wrong line. My bad. So um. Oh, okay. So Valentine was was trying to lock in the uh, figure four leg lock. Yes. Don't don't tell me, folks. Rick Flair invented the figure four leg lock. No, I know, didn't. right? Go go fuck Stop. yourself. No. Um, but Garvin was able to kick him off, and then he did a roll up, which uh, Savage followed that up with a double axe handle, and then uh, Duggan eventually tagged in and hit a running clothesline on Valentine to eliminate him. So as I said, uh, Valentine got distracted. So then, um, then Ronnie Garvin uh, was um, was trying to get one up on Dino Bravo. That was the next segment. See that that's a, that's the one thing that I don't like about these matches. Yes, you could arguably break down any match in the segments, but it it was kind of like predictable. Um, because like it was based off feuds going on, and because of the and while that part made sense, they kind of had to break down each, each, each tag like into a segment with mm -hmm. feuding wrestlers, so you could kind of predict what was going to happen quite easily, which kind of made these matches harder to get through. Because because predictability isn't always the good a good thing, even if it makes sense. Um. So to be honest with you, I wasn't really interested until we got to uh, Bret Hart and the Randy Savage portion at the very end. Um, and of course this was after, um. Of course, this was after Garvin was eliminated by um, Bravo with the with the sidewalk slam. I, I alluded to earlier, but I messed up. Um, and then, um, the the very the very ending of the match was kind of a, like I call it a botch. I don't really care if it was if it was meant to go that way because like. Yeah, sure. He did the heel thing and pulled the rope down on um, on Duggan, but but because of that and the attack by Earthquake, Duggan got counted out. 
And I'm like, Elio, I can't tell you how much... I mean, this is like a theme now with, with, with these early Survivor series. It, it's like the countdown is becoming the new roll-up in my mind because it's well, like... I, I, I'm looking at it uh, here. It says, Jim Duggan eliminated by not applicable. Well, no, because... because I. Trust me, I'm not just saying this because it says it on the thing. I'm saying I'm looking at it right now, uh, eliminated by not applicable because, like, what you just said, he went through the ropes and got counted out. That's just, I don't yeah. like these count outs. And, 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 and that, was, that was such a weak ending. Yes, of course, anyone's going to be incapacitated by the combination of Sherry Martell and, and, and um, um, Earthquake. I mean, uh, let's be honest. Uh, uh, double axes back by earthquake is uh, akin to getting your back broken. I understand that, <laughs> but but still, it was just kind of a weak ending. So we ended up with the sole survivors being Randy Savage, Earthquake, and Dino Bravo. Uh, and then after after that. Oh my god. I, I, I had to I had to admit I fast forwarded through this part. Which um, part was that? Because because the genius was delivering a special Thanksgiving poem. Oh I saw that he was rhyming yeah. And I just you know you you texted me later on and, and I paid attention to that segment, but this one I just couldn't stand. The Thanksgiving I, poem. I, you know, you, you, know, uh, you, know, you don't like Lenny Puffle's poems? He's been no. doing that since 86, man. He used to write them on Frisbees and then uh, throw the Frisbees out into the crowd. Okay, well, go play Frisbee with your dog. Don't do it on my <laughs> TV screen. <laughs> okay. Make it stop. <laughs> I'm just taking you. Um, and then, okay, here's my next question, because this, this legitimately pissed me off. Why, why what was Hogan in the middle of the card? Yeah, that made no sense. And not the main event. He's the WWE champion at this point. See, that made no sense, because I was... I was watching this live. Well, not live, but I was why I watched it the next day. I went to my friend's house because he's like, come over around eight o'clock at eight a.m. and then uh, from there we'll just, uh, we'll go to school because his dad was gonna drive us, right? Yeah. So we so we watch it and I I thought this for sure was the main event. It was the last match, so it's kind of weird seeing it in the. In the middle of the card, it it threw me off. I'm like, I literally paused the show to make sure I didn't fast forward through something. Yeah, but no, it wasn't because the Ultimate Warrior ended up being in the main event. Now, I, now I understand the Ultimate Warrior getting a massive push at this point. I get all that, but to me, and maybe this is me being a traditionalist, we discovered this, but to me. The world champion should always be in the main events of the show. I'm yep. sorry. That's just how I feel about it. Um, so, um, obviously, we have uh, 
Well, I'm not going to say obviously. I'm only saying that because I just watched it last night. But let me break this down for you. So we had the million-dollar team, uh, Ted DiBiase, the Powers of Pain and the Warlord, uh, which, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, the Powers of Pain consisting of the Warlord and the Barbarian. By the way, I did an angle with the Barbarian a few years ago. He was the nicest guy in the world. Just saying. Uh, and, uh, and Zeus with Virgil and, and Mr. Fuji. Now, now, when I first saw this, I understood that they, they were still capitalizing off of uh, the No Holds Barred thing from uh, the movie being released in June. But I don't know about you. I had a problem with Zeus being in this match, especially after seeing how he was used. Um, because... He kicks everybody out of the out of the out of the ring. This is the start of the match. And pretty much proceeds to choke the life out of Hogan until he gets disqualified and pulled off by everybody else. Um which which I un I understand why they booked him the way he did, but because he sucked in the ring. No disrespect to uh Tiny Lister, but that's just rea reality. He couldn't right, so, wrestle. So, so Ben, here we go with the stories here. Yeah. For you, run. So, um, Hogan, of course, feeding with Zeus. By the way, I'm sorry because I was 15 years old. I skipped school to go watch the whole Spartan theaters. Why? It sucked. <laughs> oh, Elio the bad boy Canela skipping school. Well, I mean, I, I feel now. Did, now here's the question: Did you wear a special costume akin to the shoestrings on your arms, pretending to be uh, no, 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 no? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so there is a receiving quality to this. So, okay, okay, quick quick story. We we brought my friend with us. Like, well, my mom's friend, uh, they've known each other for like for a long time. So she decided she was going to come with us, right? But she doesn't speak English. She only speaks Italian. So she's sitting there, she's watching the movie, right? And she's kind of bored until the very end when they had Zeus versus Hogan in the match. She had a can of uh, Orange Crush, and by the time that we was over, that can was crushed. Every time Zeus or Hogan hit a move, she would like crush the can. Oh well, not number one. That's hilarious. Number two, I love Orange Crush. I just have to tell you. All right, so um. Yeah, no host part, bad movie. Um, and I'll I'll tell you something else after I'm done. But um, so that's Hogan Zeus, uh, Power Speed Demolition. Go back to Survivor Series '88. Shake the Snake Roberts and Teddy Biasi are in the program at this time. Okay. Okay. And I found this from Wrestling Challenge. So. Jake Snake had a problem with like Teddy Biasi, you know, like. With the way he would insult his uh, opponents, like after he would beat them, he would stuff a hundred dollar bill down their, in their mouth. Okay. Right. So Jake saw this. He had a problem with it. So 
there's your program, and this is what happens. What happened when Jake decided to face Virgil? He defeats Virgil, and we have this. Jake uh, Roberts said DiBiase feud began because uh, Jake was sick of seeing like DiBiase shoving the hundred dollar bills on his opponent's throats after defeating them. So he decided to face Virgil. He challenges Virgil, then takes all the money and hands it out to the fans at ringside. Oh, that's awesome! Good <laughs> stuff. <laughs> you, you gotta love it, folks. You gotta love it. There we go. Um, that's where see. that's a storylines in this match. Absolutely. So, so as I said, um, yeah, Zeus we was, can get this in. Yeah, Zeus was eliminated by the choke because he sucked in the ring. Or I'm sorry, not the choke by disqualification because he choked Hogan out. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, I just. Uh, yeah, Sue should have never been in the ring. I I understand it no. from a cross promotion standpoint, but uh, no. I was watching um, the other the other day. I was watching on YouTube. Um, from Saturday night's main event, it was a Hogan and Bossman in the cage. But uh, Sue's showed up. He was standing on the ring steps, and he used to attack Hogan before Hogan could even get into the ring. Oh God! <laughs> well, plays into this discussion quite well. Yep. Um, and then I gotta tell you, I really didn't like this match and, and, um, you know, for as, for as much as I complain about the count out finishes and all that stuff, um, mm-hmm. I didn't even like Mr. Fuji's involvement in this because Axe got eliminated because he got tripped up by Fuji's cane. So the war award of all people was able to pin X, the same warlord who holds the record for shortest amount of time in, in the Royal Rumble. 
Wait, like, wait, 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 which one was that? Which rumble was that again? Uh, it was a, one of the 90 rumbles, 90 or 91, something like that, right? Um, yeah, I don't remember exactly which one. I could well, I'm, sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure we'll get to that one in time. So, so, okay. Then we finally get a strong elimination because... The Barbarian did a um, did a blind tag after Smash nailed a stun gun on DBS. By the way, I still say stun gun would be a cool move today. That's just a good looking move. Thank you, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, right. Yes. Um. So. So in because of that. Uh, Barbarian got the blind tag um, after Smash hit hit that on DiBiase, and Barbarian got the clothesline off the top to eliminate Smash. Um, so that was a very cool uh, elimination. Plus, a tag team eliminated members of a tag team. That was that was good. But again, oh my God, again. Professor Canella, help me. What oh. is it? What is it this evening with these disqualification eliminations in in this Survivor Series? It's really it, it was a per, it was a pervasive theme, and it's pissing me off. Wait, who is disqualified at this time in the match? War Warlord. And the barbarian because the referee just disqualified them um, after after um, barbarian um, and barbarian and warlords picked up Hogan and and hit him with the spike pile driver and and the only reason they got eliminated was because the the second the the illegal guy didn't get out of the ring in five seconds. Oh my god! Yeah, that's no like. They were, were they in the middle of executing the move? Yes. Okay, then uh, that five seconds uh, shouldn't not count. That shouldn't be a disqualification. Thank you, thank <laughs> you. Because if that's the case, then why have the move in the match? Right. It's if you uh, if you if you're in the middle of executing a move, it can't be a disqualification. That's just stupid. That's Thank referee's you. fault. Thank you. So, oh my God, I I I can't stand it. I I I can't. I cannot stand it. This is and why then, I'm here. And then, uh, it okay. So I I still have four and a half minutes to yeah, pitch. Yeah, yeah, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. It's good. It's a good evening. I I, I like this. Very yeah. good. So then. Um, this kind of ties into what we were just talking about with the the feud between Jake Roberts and Ted DiBiase because Jake Roberts ended up being the next elimination by Ted DiBiase Um, because who interfered on DiBiase's behalf? I'll give you two guesses, folks. Was it Virgil? Or Virgil? You got it. It's Virgil, what do we have for Johnny? Ding, 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 ding. Uh, I hate Virgil. 
He was such an annoying character. Even in in he was part of the NWO folks. How annoying could you possibly be? And prior to WWE, he was a big name in Mid South as Soul Train Jones. He should have stayed the Soul Train Jones. At least he had a person. <laughs> <laughs> now, now every time you hear about him, it's because he did something stupid on social media, like left one of his testicles exposed. Stay home. Right well, 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 actually, now he's on social media because he apparently is uh, having like health issues. Well, we, I'm not, I'm not making fun of him for that. But yeah, please. no, 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 I'm seeing <laughs> no either. No, but now that's the that's the only reason I see him on social media now is is uh health uh, updates. So oh, that, that that's terrible. Don't um, get so, well soon. Absolutely. So uh, so then Ted DiBiase was eliminated by the sole survivor Hulk Hogan. Now the. This match went damn near a half an hour with a 27 and a half minute match. This was so boring. This was so bad. This was not a good match. It was, uh, the first two matches were fun. This was not. Thank you. What, and what did I, what did I say when we first, when we first started this review? What did I, the first two matches uh, were, were good? Yep. Uh, and then, and then, oh, I, sorry, I have to disappoint you again, Elio. Uh-oh. Remember, remember, remember the last, the, the, the last paper review we did, I was telling you about uh, Sherry and, and, and Zeus and Savage trying to kill Hogan with a potion. Yeah, summer 79, last week. Yeah. Ex- exactly. Well, this week. Hogan and Beefcake were being interviewed in the in the locker room. Oh my god, this was bad. About the no holds barred cage. Okay, quickly, we're gonna, we, we're gonna wrap it up real quick. Go on, go on. And, and then and then salt gets thrown in their eyes by Sherry, who, who then what you know who then calls in Zeus and Savage to beat them up. Please stop that. <laughs> maybe maybe you should just stick to making potions, Jerry. I mean, I love you, but goddamn, this is bad. We'll be right back, folks. I need a break. <laughs> All right, we're back. We're going to get into the next match. The Rude Brood versus Roddy's Roddy's Ben. Before we get into the match, <laughs> the backstage segments. Yes, with with the Bushwhackers eating turkey legs and... and, and... Rowdy Rowdy Piper again. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> I mean, come on, Rowdy Rowdy Piper and Jimmy Snuka standing next to each other. It's like what? Yeah, and then they just drop their food like vagabonds and go off. <laughs> you know, how, how dare you? At least put your food in the trash can, you you dirty fucks. Oh well. <laughs> oh well. I guess, I guess the bushwhackers weren't known for their propriety, eh? Ben, um, let me tell you something. These guys used to eat sardines out of the can, okay? Out of the little tin uh, containers. Uh, you see them just like that, like, putting them out like that. Come on. They're, they're bushwhackers. That was yeah, their whole gimmick. 
Ew. Disgusting. All right, so, so go on. So the other thing uh, about the pre-match thing is, um, so Mr. Perfect's team is being interviewed, and um, and the genius, a.k.a. <laughs> Lenny Papo, is just standing in the background with this dreamy, demented look on his face. <laughs> and, and I was like, what the hell? You invited me for really Paul Heyman. The way Paul Heyman looks over when rains. I mean, he, he's blinking so fast. It was like my grandmother when she would get in, indignant. It's like... <laughs> yeah. it's so I'm like, what the hell? Because I'm watching Perfect Talk. Then I'm like, out of the corner, I see the genius with this look on his face. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> yes. And then, and then you, you texted me and I happened to be a little bit behind you, but then I texted you back a little bit later on like oh that was incredibly creepy <laughs> <laughs> all right um, don't do that so really there's not too much to say about this particular match because it it left a lot to be desired to tell you the truth there was a lot of um down parts Right. Basically, the okay. The, the sorry, the programs here: Rick Rude, Roddy Pepper, Perfect, and Snooker, which is kind of random. I'm not really sure how they got there. And the Russos and Bushwhackers continuing their program from WrestleMania Five. Right. And um, so one and one other thing before we get into the match, it's important to note that at this point, Mister Perfect was still undefeated. Mm -hmm. that, that, that's why he was getting a lot of shine in this match. Arguably, you you could say that the the entire spotlight of the match was on Mister Perfect because he um he was doing a lot of the heavy lifting here. And as a matter of fact, he was the sole survivor uh, in in this match. So they were really um, pushing him, and obviously, we know what he would become uh, a little bit later on. Um, so, so honestly, I was surprised that Jimmy Snuka was in this match, to tell you the truth, because, you know, on last week's show, when we were reviewing SummerSlam 89, we were, we were talking about how bad he looked, uh, in, in that match, and, Not to say that he looked horrible uh, in in this match, but it was just like so with the SummerSlam match, it was notable. Like, okay, Jimmy Snuka's on his way out. So you know, Ben, Ben, what were you yeah. seeing about uh, Mister Perfect in the spotlight? Well, it, it was it was that. Um, it was that he was undefeated going into this match. So a lot of the uh... check this out because at this time the baby uh, had a magazine called Spotlight and look who's on the one cover. And I didn't even know that. Just call me Nostradamus, motherfuckers. <laughs> I just, you know, I'm so good at this shit. I do that without even trying. You know? um, I'm kidding. Um... <laughs> 
I'm really not that cocky. If, if I was, I would urge you to, to turn this shit off because that's disgusting. But no. Um, so, yeah, I was kind of surprised that, that Snuka was in this match. Um, and um, Raymond Rougeau was uh, the second person to be eliminated because Superfly Jimmy Snuka actually got the first elimination by using the Superfly Splash Big Shocker um, to eliminate Jocks. And I believe Jocks is the one that is now... Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. Did you call Jocks? Yeah. I mean, Jacques. You don't say the S. You don't pronounce the S. It's Jacques. <laughs> okay, Jacques. Okay, I'm I'm so sorry. I I don't I don't speak I don't speak French tu Canadian. Tu ne parles pas français. Je comprends. Tu ne parles français. It's okay. <laughs> I just said what. Do we have a translator in the audience? I just I said, I, 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 just, I just said, it's okay, I don't speak French, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. And I, but I think, I think Jacques is now known as, is the one now known as PCL. No, he's not, it's the other one, Pierre. Oh, so Ray? Yeah. No, Pierre. There's a third Pierre. one? Do you remember, so um... You remember There's the Jack and Raymond. Ben, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll show you who I'm talking about. I'm gonna look. I'll, I'll find it real quick. Go ahead. Go on while I find this out. Okay. So apparently, I made a boo boo. So Elio's going about to fix it. Um. So eventually, it it becomes a four on two situation. Um, for Piper's team. Um, and uh, perfect is the one outnumbered. Um, we get a lot. We get good wrestling with Piper and Perfect. That was probably the highlight of the match for me. The um, the stuff between Rowdy Roddy Piper and uh, Mister Perfect. But once again, they okay, decide. Ben, 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 look at your screen. Okay, you see, see, you see the guy that's pointing. Yeah, that's Jacques. The other guy is Pierre. That's PCO. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. And I'll, show, I'll, show, I'll show you what he looked like in '95. Very good. Um, so while Elio pulls that up, um, I I hate roll ups. I hate because because Mister Perfect, um, after eliminate after um Raymond Rougeau got eliminated by Rowdy Roddy Piper. Uh, that's what yes. PCO looked. That's what PCO looked like in nineteen ninety five. Oh my god, that's horrible. That's, <laughs> he he was a pirate. Good. He was a pirate. Jean Pierre Lafitte, a descendant of the original Jean Lafitte. Oh my god, that's <laughs> I know it was bad. It was bad. That's horrific. Um, but I, I yeah, I, I hate roll ups because Mister Perfect eliminated Bush with a with a roll up. Now, here's another question because I remember the Bushwhackers being a good deal or being a, a big deal. Uh, but I was even a fan of them when I was really little. 
but going back and looking at it now, they don't seem to be particularly good wrestlers. Was it was it their gimmick? No, 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 no. Ben, I'll explain it to you. They were okay. given this bushwhackers uh, character. Yeah. To to cater towards the kids because before the WWF, they were they were one of the meanest tag teams. Uh, they always had like blood baths. Uh, they were managed by Jack Victory. They would carry the New Zealand flag to the ring with them. Okay, well, I I gotta watch pre WWF Bushwhackers then because uh, uh, I, I, I look up a picture because I want to see uh, if I'm right in saying the bloodbaths. So, um, so the the Bushwhackers quickly get eliminated, and um, I I I really don't want to bore you with this because check this out. So Rowdy Piper and Rick Rude they end up fighting each other on the outside. And they get eliminated by countout. And again, what, what, what is the point of having them in a Survivor Series match if two of your biggest participants are going to get eliminated by countout? And so, so after they get counted out, perfect um, hits a perfect flex on Snuka. To get to get the win in in twenty seven minutes, but what is or I'm sorry twenty one minutes, um, it was twenty one twenty seven. So I got the numbers backwards. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, but um, what is the point of having Rowdy Roddy Piper and Rick Rude in the match if they're just going to get eliminated by countout? I get the fact that they got into a fight and they kind of lost track of things. What what is with these random ass eliminations that do nothing to elevate the importance of a Survivor Series match? I I really somebody's I mean, gotta explain I mean, that. It, it doesn't look bloody, but that's the Bushwhackers before WBF, the sheep herders. Oh, they were the, uh, okay. I've heard of them. Yeah, they were the sheep but herders. Yeah, but I didn't realize. Okay. Yeah, they should have stayed with the sheep herders gimmick, not this cartoon bullshit. Right. But but if you really think about it, as a child gimmick, they were licking people's heads. Ew. Well, 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 Butch was, Luke wasn't. Well, but still. Yeah, ew. yeah. <laughs> just, just, just a thought, like, come on, stop it. <laughs> I would have been like, Mom, give me some dis- disinfectant now. <laughs> give, me my, give me my Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck soap now. <laughs> Quickly. Where's my Flintstone gummy? I need to get the sickness out of me. I can see Mom right now. Ben, you, did you call me? <laughs> no, Mom, I'm doing a show. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, that's incredibly creepy and funny at the same time. So, yeah. Um, so the Soul Survivor, as I said, was Mr. Perfect. But post match, Snuka got kind of revenge because Genius is jumping around like a, like a fucking jack in the box. Yay! Like he actually accomplished something. 
and then, and then to, I, I, gotta look, I gotta look that up and see how this feud to happen. Like that, that just seems so random. And then so, Snooka ran their heads together, so it's like weird. And, okay, and then here's another weird thing, and I and I looked up the reason why. Uh, so I I understand it now, but uh, the I think this was the main event of of the evening. So let me just double check. Yes, it is. So the the main event of the evening was, um. The Heenan family versus, uh, let's see, the Heenan family versus the Ultimate Warriors. Obviously, you had Andre the Giant, Haku, Bobby Heenan, and Arn Anderson. Now, Bobby Heenan had replaced uh, Tully Blanchard because Tully Blanchard had been released for testing hot for cocaine on a drug test. Yeah. Um... So that's why he wasn't there. Um, so, but it actually kind of worked to have Bobby Heenan on the team against the Ultimate Warrior because the storyline of the match ended up being the Ultimate Warrior trying to get his hands on uh, Bobby Heenan, which he did toward the end. So it, it kind of they kind of turned a negative into a positive um, with that. And plus, it was kind of funny because Bobby Heenan was playing the chicken shit. He like, for instance, when when um, Marty Jannetty was down, um, Bobby Heenan would come in and kick the shit out of him, and then pin him, and then run away um, for one of the eliminations. So um, the big, so as I said, the big draw was um, Warrior trying to get his hands on Heenan. And the reason why Warrior was given the main event over Hogan was because Warrior was ar- arguably the bigger star at this point, having just won the uh, Intercontinental Championship from the Honky Tonk Man not too not too long beforehand. So, um, so the first notable thing about this match, and, and once again. Um, I noticed. Uh, I noted on the SummerSlam uh, show last week that Andre the Giant really didn't look good, uh, and it was quite sad to see his performance on that show. And so they kind of knew that Andre the Giant's time was running short. So in order to protect him, they took him out of the match. 27 seconds in. Now, the only thing that's illogical about that uh, is that he was the captain of the of the team for the Heenan family, and yet he got taken out in 27 seconds. But given the physical condition that he was in, I don't blame them at all. Um. So 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 he he got eliminated with a with a um alternate warrior clothesline over the top which led to Andre being counted out. So, like I said, his official time in the match was 27 seconds. Um, and at this at this point, he just shouldn't have even been in the, in the match. I'm sorry, but he really... Because I can only imagine how painful um, or how much pain he must have been in and to have him even even walk out there just to 
have a 27 second spot. It's just, to me, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that, that's just me having a heart. And, um, you know, I, uh, I would I would have been more concerned about Andre the Giant, the human being, at at that point than Andre the uh, the attraction for WWF. That's just that's just me. I don't no, I ben, don't know. Did you notice um the uh, I want to say towards the end of the match, uh, Arn Anderson arguing with uh, Bobby Heenan? Yes, I did. All right, because that was an angle that they were running where apparently there was going to be a split between the Brain Busters and uh, Bobby Heenan. Since Arn Anderson, Tony Blanchard uh, got a release, then uh, Arn Anderson was going back to WCW at this time. Well, that makes sense. So that this is the angle they were running where there, where there was like uh, everyone, where there was like a uh, disagreements in the Heenan family and people pushing each other around. Yeah. So so that would become the that would become the focus later on in, in, in the match with, with Bobby Heenan and things like that. Uh, but before uh, Jim Jim Neidhart was the first person eliminated. Uh, Jim Neidhart was not having a good showing on these pay-per-views in 1989 because um, he was made to look uh, like um, he was taking a lot of beatings at SummerSlam, and Bret Hart had to save his ass, which is um, not save his ass, but come in and really help him, which was counterproductive to how they were presenting Neidhart in the past. Usually, it was so, Neidhart. So okay, I it doesn't make sense to uh, put them on different teams, but I know why they. Did that? They split up the Heart Foundation because yeah, I was, I was gonna ask you that. Why did they do that? Because in in eighty eight, okay, yeah, a- after they lost the tag team titles, it was uh, to Strike Force. They um they decided to like no one turned on anyone. They just decided to go on their own and go on as on singles run. And that's why we got Bret Hart as Intercontinental Champion in nineteen ninety in the 90s and as well as world champion. Well, I, the- I, I can appreciate that because yeah. usually, usually they have to break people up. And in the case of the Hart Foundation, you don't have to do that. Yeah. Um, so I can I can appreciate that. Um, but OK. But here, here comes the stupid part. So as I said, Jim Neidhart was eventually eliminated by Haku after he took a, a kick to the back of the head. So like I said, Neidhart wasn't having a good showing in 1989, at least in my opinion. But if I was Marty Jannetty in this in this instance, I would have been pissed off. Because I, I know... Bob, Bobby Heenan beating him? Yes. You know, and cu- coming in and being the chicken shit heel, and like they're they're one of the hottest young tag teams in the game, the Rockers, who were in this match together as a tag team. And yes, it makes sense because Bobby Heenan's the weasel. Um, and like I said, the only reason he was in this match was because he was replacing Tully Blanchard. So I get it, but it, 
I absolutely agree with the reviewer here. He says that may be the weakest elimination in Survivor Series history to this point. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it was. It was. And, and I'm going to... I'm even going to go further out on a limb and say it still holds up as one of the weakest eliminations in the history of Survivor Series now that I've seen it. So, oh my God. <laughs> and it, oh, this, is, this is another thing that pissed me off. Haku, King Haku, Haku, the biggest badass in professional wrestling, arguably, gets eliminated by Shawn Michaels. Okay? Like, what the fuck? Look, you have to keep in mind, folks, we're talking about Shawn Michaels from 1989. That's a Hall of Famer, Shawn Michaels. You know? Uh, so I was a little bit confused there. Um, but Arn Anderson would get revenge because he hit the spine buster on uh, on Shawn Michaels to eliminate him to get revenge. Well, in my mind, it was revenge for Haku, but we know it wasn't because the Brain Busters were a bunch of assholes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but by the way, have I mentioned how much I love Arn Anderson? Yes. <laughs> I, I, I just want to make that very clear. Um, I I was I, I was very pissed off in the in the 2002 feud between um, between Undertaker and Ric Flair. I didn't I didn't care about David Flair getting his ass kicked in the bathroom. I care I cared about Arn Anderson getting split open by the Undertaker. Yeah. Uh, so that's where that's where my uh, that's where my head was at. But to to Elio's point. Um, shortly thereafter, um, Warrior uh, is left two on one against Anderson and Heenan. Anderson eventually gets eliminated by Ultimate Warrior, and and within a few weeks, Anderson was back in WCW. Uh, within a few weeks of the show, going back with Tully Blanchard. Um, the by the way. I know I know they're famous for being in the um for being in the uh, four horsemen and and that is a legend unto itself. I understand that, but I wish the brain busters had lasted a little bit longer because they were they were awesome and I think that they had a lot of uh, untapped potential in the WWF. And they were tag team champions at SummerSlam '89. Exactly. Very good. Um, which, if if you guys missed our SummerSlam '89 review on episode twelve of Tuesday Timeline, please go back and take a look at it. I mean, I don't know about you, Elio, but I love doing these shows, and then and the, I I understand that they're very different from our our regular format on the podcast, but mm-hmm. that's actually why I kind of like this, you know. Yeah. Um, because I don't think a lot of shows or a lot of podcasts do this with the old stuff. They're focused, on, and, and I understand why, because they're focused on the on the current product and talking about what's going on currently. But I think I I, I think to appreciate wrestling in its entirety, 
you have to go back and look at history and be able to do a deep dive on it in order to be able to call yourself a fan. Yep. You know, and and like a lot of these shows, I'll be honest with you, I've never seen. So, like, I watch these shows the night before I come on and do these things so that when I'm asking Elio questions... I'm I'm legitimately coming off just watching it, and it it makes it so much fun to do these shows because I'm learning something at the same time as I'm talking about it. So it it's a very different dynamic than our typical show where I am I am expertly analyzing something that I'm seeing on the current product. So. So that's the, that's the difference, and that's why we do it this way. Um, but um, so the the um, so as I mentioned earlier, uh, really the the storyline of the match was was Ultimate Warrior trying to get his hands on Bobby Heenan after Arn Anderson was eliminated. Um, he was successful in doing so because for some reason. Uh, Bobby Heenan took that time to get up on the uh, get up on the uh, turnbuckle and do his best uh, Triple H impression. All ben, he was ben, yeah. In the nineties, Ultimate Warrior had a series of matches against Bobby Heenan, and it was a weasel suit match. Where oh God! Bobby Heenan, if Bobby Heenan lost, he had to literally wear a weasel suit. A weasel costume. Oh, I can't wait to get into that. Please uh, tell no, me. No, uh, no, no, I'm not sure if I. I don't think they ever had one on pay per view, but I'm. Why? I'm sure they had, that would have been perfect. But I'm sure they have a video on YouTube. I can, I can look that up. Oh man, I gotta, I gotta go look, look at one of those. That would have been perfect to put on pay per view. Talking about a right? missed opportunity there, folks. Um, but I know. I know what the um I know what the t- what this title of the podcast is gonna be. Uh well I know what it would be if this was part of a regular podcast. We would call this Weasel Country, but because it's a because it's spotlight, we call it SummerSlam eighty nine, episode thirteen of the Tuesday timeline. But we, we would call it Weasel Country. Um but um so so long story short, um, Ultimate Warrior ends up getting his hands on uh, Bobby Heenan, which sent the sent the crowd home happy, I guess. But then again, I wasn't really happy about that because it just I feel like the main event should have been the Hogan match. Yeah, I, I like the end, the ending of this pay per view. Yeah. Um. So, but. I think Elio was right. It still was a very fun um, pay-per-view. It was just they just had a few um, eyebrow-raising moments. Um, but um, that's all I have for my thoughts on on SummerSlam '89. I think one of my uh, one of my favorites from these early episodes of uh, Tuesday Timeline. Um, Elio, you have anything to say to wrap us up? No, this was a fun preview. Like some of some eighty seven, eighty eight were good, but this was just fun. Now it's time to get into the nineties, and we're gonna start next week with 
the WWF Royal Rumble 1990 from Orlando, Florida. Ben, we're going to have to draw numbers again. Absolutely. You want to do that now? You know what? Let me uh, grab my phone and we can do that. We have, we have time, so let me just pull up the wheel here. Well, the wheel. Okay. Let me put the random number. Cool. All right, and uh, let me just set up the numbers one to th- two thirty. All right, so you, you can you can go first, and then I'll go. I'll go. Okay. All right. Okay, I got number, number nine. Let me see what I get. <laughs> Elliot, Elliot gets number Jeez. five. Okay. So let me uh, let me see if I can figure out what entrance they actually are. Uh, hang on one second. I'm gonna type this in real quick. Okay. Uh, Royal Rumble. Oh, and and, and, and and let me say, the next event is no holds barred. The match and movie. We are not going to do that because it's a waste of time for just one match. But Ben, they actually had dark matches, so I'm going to read those results. Okay. So we had Big Boss Man defeating Dusty Rhodes, Ultimate Warrior defeating Dino Bravo in an Intercontinental Championship match, Colossal Connection on Rain Giant and Haku defeating Demolition in a in a tag team championship match by countout. Mr. Perfect defeated Ronnie Garvin. And of course Bruce Beefcake Bruce Beefcake and Hulk Hogan defeated Susan Randy Savage in a steel cage. They gave that match ten minutes and twenty-seven seconds. Well, that's pre- that's pretty good for a cage match back then, I think. So let me uh, take a look at January twenty-first. Okay, and as for movies, next week I'll be going to see. Hold on, let me just pull this up. I will be going to see. Born on the Fourth of July. Oh God. Uh, was that was that considered a good movie? You know what? I've actually uh, never seen it, so I yeah, I've never seen it. I've only seen clips, but I mean, it's got Tom Cruise, but I don't know. Oh, you yeah. you bastard! You got you got Macho King Randy Savage. You fucking goon! Well, who do you have? Let's see. I have. Let me see. Uh, you had number nine. I had number nine, and I'm. Uh, hold on. Bed. Oh, you motherfucker! 
You got, you got Randy Savage, and I got Bad News Brown. Uh, Jesus. That is fuck. Yeah. That is terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. All right, so Ben, we should bring the show to a close. Yes, I I I need to uh, I need to recover from my massive disappointment I just suffered. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that is it for TC timeline. We will be back on Saturday with episode three hundred of the PC Progression Wrestling Podcast. Before that, we'll be back on Friday night with Wrestling POV with Clay Cummings and Tony Diaz, and that wraps it up. Uh, for this week's episode next Tuesday, we'll be back with Royal Rumble 90 from Orlando, Florida. So until then, I'm Elio. He's Ben. Ben, see you to the fans. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you enjoyed it. I sure as hell did. Elio, we hit the goddamn outro music. What are you doing? Roads. Where we're going, we don't need roads. Roads. <laughs>